0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, soar. Africa, amka na unai.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on DSTV's bouquet channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa and Tabisolo Lohoko. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, South Africa mourns anti-apartheid human rights lawyer George Bezos, Zimbabwe's ZANU-PF says there is no crisis in the country and the global response to COVID-19 has barely made a dent in the causes of climate change, according to a major new report. In economics news, the Central Procurement Board of Namibia is monitoring and evaluating all contracts it awarded to ensure completion. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial from an African from perspective.
3: perspective. I'm Anne Musa. Good morning. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has paid tribute to the late renowned human rights lawyer George Bezos, describing him as one of the architects of South Africa's constitution. Bezos died at the age of 92. After a period of poor health on Wednesday, he was part of the legal teams of the Treason and Ravonia trials in 1956 and 1964, respectively, that defended the rights of activists, including Nelson Mandela, Oliver Tambo and Walter Susulu, against apartheid. Ramaphosa has sent his condolences to the family and friends of Bezos, who made a significant contribution to the country's history.
4: He was also one of the architects. Uh, of our constitution he contributed immensely and he will sorely be missed and we dip our heads in honor of uh, the contribution that uh, Judge Bezos has made to our democracy we will forever remember his contribution
3: Meanwhile, representative of the Nelson Mandela Foundation Luzuko Kodi says Bezos fought for justice his entire life We've seen that not only in the uh, Rivonia trial, which is the most famous uh, uh,
5: trial that people will remember him for, but for the cases that he represented, uh, people of Mm -hmm. uh, people, he, he continued to seek justice.
3: Three people have been killed and seven others wounded in a suicide bomb attack which targeted a restaurant in the Somali capital, Mogadishu. Officials say the dead include a child. No group has claimed responsibility for the attack. On Monday, a suicide bomber killed five Somali soldiers and seriously wounded an American military advisor in a village outside the southern port city of Kismayu. Democratic contender for the U.S. presidency, Joe Biden, says President Donald Trump knowingly and willingly lied to the American people about the threat posed by the coronavirus. The accusation follows the publication of excerpts from a new book by journalist Bob Hoodward. Trump told Hoodward that, the, that he wanted to play down the risks because he did not want to create panic. The World Wildlife Fund has warned in a new report that humans are destroying nature at a rate never seen before. Global populations of mammals, birds, reptiles, fish and animals em- Amphibians have fallen by more than two thirds in the past fifty years. The authors of the report have described the decline as catastrophic and blame burning forests, overfishing, and destruction of wildlife habitat. They say it's not too late to reverse the situation if urgent action is taken. However, it should go beyond traditional conservation efforts. And in sports news, former South African Proteus player and coach Gary. Kirsten, who also coached India to World Cup glory in 2011, has designed an online cricket coaching program called Coached, uh, Cricket is a -a one-of-a-kind online global cricket coach education and accreditation program. The courses have been developed to enable cricket coaches to learn, develop and become an accredited coach without restrictions. The course has been universally acclaimed both locally and internationally. It says the goal is to make coaching knowledge accessible to aspiring coaches.
6: Online coach education platform Um, and I think the intention behind it was just to create an opportunity for coaches who want to be who want to aspire to become better coaches that they have access to to a body of information um, that allows them to upskill and become better and I think um, I think I think there are many barriers to to entry when you when you want to become upskilled as a coach around the world.
3: Coach caters for basic coaches, but Kirsten says it's also for coaches who aspire to coach at domestic and international level.
6: The coach ed platform is, is, runs over three products, which is a library, um, it's 11 modules, um, and then there's a basic accreditation, which then is the follow-on from the library. So you, you consume them for the the library, and then you will do the accreditation if you want to. And then the third product is our Elite Accreditation, which for us is a, it's, it's a platform for guys that are really aspiring to become um, top-end coaches. Um, it's a 12-week course. There's a lot of interaction in the course. A lot of fantastic uh, guest coaches that we've interviewed that provide information for us.
3: And that's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time.
2: SABC News independent and impartial from an African perspective.
1: perspective. It's 7.06 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. South Africa's governing party was in a centre delegation to Zimbabwe for talks with ZANU-PF's counterparts in Harare. Um, It's not clear who else the delegation may have spoken to um, apart from uh, ZANU-PF, the ruling party. But questions are already being raised whether this mission will yield results. My colleague Peter doros to political analyst Dr. Pedzisai Ruhania, who says the ANC has to take the bull by the horns and get tough with ZANU-PF.
7: There is any reasoning fundamentally to, to meet ZANU outside of broader society. But uh, I think it is the insistence of ZANU not to be exposed to the community and to the international world by getting information from other players in the Zimbabwe crisis. And I think uh, they simply want to, to deal with the ANC without allowing other forces to, to come in to say their side of the story. But uh, that is not the issue for me. The issue for me is that if you meet the ZANPF leadership that they have proposed from the letter that is circulating, where Zan is saying it is the one which is supposed to meet the NC, and they are saying that the NC will meet its secretary for administration. Patrick it's like going to a company. You go at the gate of a company and you want to have a meeting and you meet security guards and you think that you have met the company owners. To really address the Zimbabwe situation, you need to meet the stakeholders or what they call the stockholders. And the stockholders is the military. So the likes of uh, MUPOF, Chinamasa, and the civilian politicians in ZANU are not the ones that matter in the Zimbabwe crisis. So if the MC meets these guys without meeting the stockholders, it's as good as meeting security guards at the gate of a comeback.
2: So who should they be meeting then uh, directly? I mean, the vice president is an army man, was, or is he still?
7: An army man or an army person, always an armed person. They should meet the presidium of ZAN. That is the president, his two deputies, all of them are military people. And I think it would suffice if they meet those people. But broadly speaking, there must be ways of involving the security apparatus of the state in whatever discussions are going on in Zimbabwe. Because for the past 20 years, it has been proved that the decisive power blocker in the Zimbabwe crisis is the military. Where Zanu has been in trouble It is the military in 2000, it is the military in 2002, it is the military in 2008, it is the military in 2018. So if you want to deal with the Zimbabwe crisis, you must confront the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is the security apparatus of the state, led by the military.
2: Who is the most senior person in the military in terms of giving directives and guiding the military's position in terms of how the country is being run?
7: The most senior military person is the commander of uh, Zimbabwe Defense Forces. That is the the Army General uh, uh, Valerio Wanda. But he he has a command structure that he works with. He doesn't work alone. He has a command structure, which they call the, the, the command structure. And that command structure is his lieutenants that they need to run the affairs of the state, working with the president. So it is the, the, the army general, working with his commander in chief. These are the people who matter. These civilians in Zambia don't matter. They are puppets of the military set up in Zimbabwe. We have a party-state military complex, with the military being the decisive power block in everything that happens in Zimbabwe. And wherever there's been opportunities to have a democratic breakthrough. It is the military that has stopped that. In 2000, they stopped that. In the election in 2000, in the 2003 election, they stopped that. In 2008, they did that clearly when ZANPF lost parliament. They lost the first presidential Rano, elections. And they lost all urban municipalities. And the military went clearly out in army uniform to campaign for ZANPF to return into the inclusive government of 2008 to 2020. 2019, 2018. So it is the military in Zimbabwe that runs the affairs of the state. And where Zan is in problems, it is the military that rescues them. It is important to confront them. It is important to understand what are their needs, what is it that they want, and how can,
2: what they want to be addressed. So let's assume that they do meet the right people and have conversations with these right persons. What can be achieved, though? Because there just seems to be so much at stake, so much of a difference between what the opposition say the situation is and what the ruling party say the situation is.
7: No, there, there, there's not much uh, difference. What the ruling party says the, the situation is, is a lie. is a phantom. It's delusional. The state, the economy of the state as we speak with 800% inflation. We have more than 90% unemployment. We have a surrogate currency that does not work. So that's the crisis. The livelihoods, the daily forms of existence of our people tell you the nature of the crisis in Zimbabwe. People can hardly have three meals a day. And that is the crisis. People can hardly afford health facilities. They can hardly send their children to school. The question we have is a livelihood question. Let's not even talk about politics. But the question of survival: how do you put food on your table? Even the, the, the deputy president, who is a military man, when he wants to, 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 to have checkups, he flies to China. That tells you that there's a problem. The president himself, when he fell sick sometime in 2017, he had to fly to South Africa. Even those with the diarrhea, they actually fly to South Africa to, to have that small problem of diarrhea. But these are the ruling elites, people who have money, who go to South Africa, who go to Singapore. Mugabe himself died in Singapore. Singapore is not Zimbabwe, and Zimbabwe is not Singapore. If we had no problem, why are they not dying at parenal to a hospital where Vice President Musika died? Where Vice President Gomo died, where Vice President Musenda died. This class that is in power here, when they have a headache, they will come to Gauteng. they will go to Pretoria. They'll go to, 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 to you know to Cape to Town. They don't go to Parina, why?
1: That is political analyst Dr. Pedzisai Rohania speaking to Pete Andoro. at 7.14 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The delegation of South Africa's ruling African National Congress that went to Zimbabwe to mediate in the country's political and economic situation are back in the country. The delegation, led by ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule, met with the governing ZANU PF. The visit came in the wake of various concerning reports about activists, opposition politicians and journalists who are seen as anti-government having been arrested or abducted in recent weeks. Joining us on the line is uh, the spokesperson for the ANC delegation that went to Zimbabwe, Dakota Lekwete. Dakota, good morning and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Uh,
0: Good morning, my sister, and good morning to all the listeners.
1: Now, Tell us what the purpose of the meeting was with ZANU-PF.
0: Thank you very much. Let me uh, thank you for the opportunity. The purpose of our visit to Zimbabwe was to engage on a bilateral discussion with our fraternal uh, liberation movement, which is also the government party. Of Zimbabwe, the ZANU PF, to engage with them on issues of common interest. Uh, after we received reports, as they NC from uh, the media, we received the reports from our envoy. We also saw for ourselves the matters which were reported. So we had to go to uh, our fraternal organization. To engage with them to find the possible and best solutions for issues that are emanating from Zimbabwe but uh, some of these issues uh, have uh, uh, some social impact for the entire South uh, region because uh, as uh, hunger gets in Zimbabwe uh, according to the United Nations food program over between five to seven million people are affected. Most of them uh, cross borders, come to South Africa. We already have almost in South Africa between four to five million Zimbabweans who are living, residing, working, and some of them don't have proper documents. So, before we get to a catastrophic situation, it was important for us as the African National Congress to go and speak to our brothers, the government, uh, who are also the governing party in Zimbabwe, to find a better uh, solution to their internal matters. We went there as an equal partner with uh, respect uh, to the territorial integrity and sovereignty of Zimbabwe. We were not there to impose ourselves. We were there to engage with them as equal partners who came from the trenches during the liberation struggle and who would find a better way to ensure that our people who are the beneficiaries of the struggles and revolutions we waged are properly uh, uh, are properly serviced and are properly recognised.
1: Without going much into detail of your discussions um, uh, with regards to your, your discussions with uh, ZANU-PF leadership, um, what was the end result? after we, we You've mentioned the observations, and we all know, um, you know, Zimbabweans have been uh, literally um, filtering the SADC region when it comes to trying to find work, um, you know, food, and, and, and clearly presenting a picture that there is a crisis in Zimbabwe. Is the crisis in Zimbabwe and what was the reaction to your discussions with the ZANU-PF leadership?
0: Look, uh, I must uh, say that uh, our engagement is equals uh, and as brothers uh, from the trenches and as the governing parties in our respective countries it was are open robust, candid and frank and we spoke on a number of issues uh, that affect our people with the outmigration of the Zimbabweans from Zimbabwe to South Africa to seek and opportunities, with issues of health, uh, issues of education, issues of the economy, and issues of other sectors. Uh, we have agreed as two liberation movements, that we'll have to meet more frequently to ensure that we discuss these particular situations and problems. We have agreed, uh, both of us, that ZANU-PF will allow us, will allow the special invoice from our government, because we agreed that we are not going to replace uh, government-to-government engagement with special envoys that went there. We have agreed, we have agreed also, that because it's the MC, every day we we are inundated with... uh, uh, visits, concerns of the in our headquarters in the two Laos. Uh, there are some of them that have written to us to request us to come in and assist to get them to the table and dialogue. We have agreed with the PF that uh, they will allow us to do that particular responsibility to engage with other parties other than themselves. Uh, we have also agreed with uh, with them that it's going to be important that we stabilize the situation in Zimbabwe, And they are willing and ready. And so far, I, uh, uh, they are also yearning to find political stability in their country. Because so far, uh, we will not say this, uh, we will not take them to a proportion of calling it a crisis, but say there are challenges. Because equally in South Africa and elsewhere in the continent, there are challenges of unemployment Of poverty, particularly for some of us who are former colonies in the commonwealth, is serious inequality because uh, our economies are skewed in terms of ownership patterns, and those are some of the things that we thought uh, would have to come back uh, as former liberation movement to engage on and find the best possible situation. But for now, uh, I must say uh, that. uh, we treat everything as work in progress. We're still going to go back to Zimbabwe in the next two or three weeks to engage with other parties. Now, the African National Congress because uh, we have not completed our visit and engagement with the, all the, stakeholders, all the stakeholders in Zimbabwe. And on the government-to-government relations, the envoys and other things are still going to continue because we have to know this matter is very sensitive. And uh, if we are not going to treat it with the necessary uh, caution and emergency, we may be outmaneuvered by events.
1: Now, Dakota, I know you are pressed for time this morning, but very quickly um, we've we've come across concerning reports have been uh, filtering through with regards and we've seen, uh, you know, journalists like uh, Chinono having been arrested and uh, now out on bail, opposition and political party leaders, uh, Garibumi also having been arrested and uh, finally released on bail uh, about a week or so ago. Um, These issues are seemingly happening on, on a regular basis in Zimbabwe and now we have our own colleagues, um, uh, Sophie McGuena, foreign editor for the SABC and uh, news anchor Peter Andoro, being threatened by uh, government spokespeople. What do you have to say um, as uh, a part of that delegation that had discussions with ZANOPF um, with regards to such issues being brought to the fore? Uh, like I said uh, before, that
0: uh, we respect the, uh, the 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 sovereign and territorial integrity of Zimbabwe. Uh, we respect the fact that they have a constitution, they have a law, they have their own institutions, which they run, and we have made it very clear to them that we respect them. But equally, it's in our interest as in the African National Congress, and even in their interest in Zimbabwe, as ZANU PF, which is a liberation movement, because. Some of those tendencies you are referring to are tendencies which our colonial masters used to do against us, and we cannot encourage them on our people. So it's a matter that uh, they agree that they will deal with uh, internally uh, so that they can uh, get the necessary stability in their country. And I think it's a matter that will allow and give them chance and space to deal with it. As, was, as on the sideline, we will also be doing our work to meet with other parties, to meet with those journalists that you are referred to, so that we can hear the side of the story and properly advise our fraternal sisters and brothers from Zanipir. On our best, we can deal with the situation.
1: Dakota, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, my sister. You are more than welcome. And thank you. Enjoy your day. Thank you. And to you too. Um, That is uh, Dakota Le spokesperson for the ANC delegation that went to Zimbabwe. Um, That delegation returned to the country last night. It's 7.24 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine.
8: Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank
7: you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here.
8: Palesa Mukubung, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion
9: Without Borders event. I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part
10: and do it really, really well. <laughs>
5: Are you ready? Something new, informative, fun and exciting is coming your way. Channel Africa is introducing brand new shows and you, our valued listener, do not want to miss these. Live Well will be launched on the 31st of August at 10 hours and will educate us about health, wellness and health lifestyles. African Insight to be launched on the 2nd of September at 8 hours. It looks at infrastructure projects in Africa in an effort to improve the continent's economy. Yours truly, to be launched on the 31st of August, broadcast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, between 22 hours and 23 hours. And it will connect listeners to the loved ones through dedications, well wishes, topped up with great African music. Cuisines Africa will be launched on the 5th of september at 10 hours and we'll leave you salivating as we explore diverse african dishes color culture, and rich history tune in to www.channelafrica.co.za or dstv 802 for these new exciting editions. channel africa bringing you the african perspective
1: It's 7.26 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. For more, for over 40 years now, the UN has been celebrating International Literacy Day on the 8th of September by reminding the global community that literacy is a human right and the foundation of all learning. Literacy is a cause for celebration since there are now close to 4 billion literate people in the world. However, literacy for all children, youth and adults is still an unaccomplished goal and an ever moving target. For more on how the COVID crisis has had an impact on efforts to improve literacy rates, we are now joined on the line by Bailey Thompson Blake from Spark Schools, an independent school network in South Africa. Bailey, good morning and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine.
11: Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, Bailey,
1: let's start with uh, the impact of a crisis on learning. Without a doubt, it has been severe. How would you describe the situation, um, you know, with the problem that we are now facing in the country as a result of time lost in learning?
11: There has been a crisis in education in South Africa that long precedes the COVID-19 pandemic, with South Africa ranked bottom of the world on most measures related to primary and secondary education. However, it's very clear that the pandemic has exacerbated inequities and widened gaps in terms of access uh, to a greater extent than ever before.
1: Now, we have seen schools opening and uh, you know, a significant number of countries, learners having returned to class. How has it been so far for both learners and educators?
11: I believe South Africa can be very proud of the decision to reopen schools especially with such a huge focus on health and safety. As um, many will know, more affluent or developed countries have really struggled in this regard, while our children across South Africa have had the opportunity to adjust to new routines and to benefit from being physically present in schools. And I think it's clear that the transition back to school has required an enormous amount of adaptability to ensure that both scholars and educators um, adjust to health and safety measures and that those health and safety measures are upheld. And by and large in our Spark community, our scholars and our teachers and staff in schools have settled into some sense of normalcy now and can go about the business of focusing on academics as well as the psychosocial support that's needed to really process the impact of the pandemic. Um, I wouldn't want to to miss the opportunity to thank our team at Spark and educators across South Africa because its their commitment to ensuring a positive experience for students in really difficult circumstances that has made the transition back to school successful
1: now what are the lessons that have been learned from the forced school closures
11: as i mentioned earlier the most significant lesson learned has been about equity we saw that the cost of data or access to internet made it very difficult for most children across South Africa to access uh, continuity of learning during this time, especially in terms of remote learning opportunities. And I think it's a reminder that we need to partner in the public and private spheres to ensure that all children have access to the resources they need to succeed. Um, Additionally, it's been very clear that resilience um, is a real characteristic um, in South Africa and with persistence as one of our core values at Spark, we've seen from scholars and their families and our staff a real commitment to succeed during this extremely difficult time.
1: Now this year's theme of commemorating Literacy Day focused on the role of educators and uh, changing pedagogies. Simplify that for us in terms of <laughs> the way forward that
11: has been proposed. Absolutely. The United Nations, in putting forward the theme for this year's International Literacy Day, has focused on the impact of COVID-19 and also the role that we all play in creating innovative and effective ways to teach literacy and reach the populations who need literacy instruction most. What I thought was most salient was that they highlighted the importance of supporting educators Um, teachers are on the front lines of the fight against illiteracy And one thing that all of us can do very simply is to support them, to raise the esteem of teachers and society and to consider teachers the professionals that they are. We have to create an ecosystem in the greater South African education sector that equips teachers to serve our children, no matter what community they may be in.
1: Bailey, unfortunately, we have run out of time. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. And to you too, Bailey. That's Bailey Thompson-Blake, Chief of Schools at Spark Schools, joining us on the line. It's 7.31 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African African perspective. perspective.
3: Aman Musa, good morning. In the headlines, President of the Movement for Democratic Change in Zimbabwe, Nelson Chamisa, has joined the chorus of condolences over the death of the late renowned human rights lawyer, George Bezos. Three people have been killed and seven others wounded in a suicide bomb attack, which targeted a restaurant in the Somali capital, Mogadishu. And large fires are raging along the American West Coast, destroying hundreds of homes. Those are the stories making headlines.
2: SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective,
1: President Sil Ramaphosa has reassured South Africans that the change they want to see in the country will happen. Ramaphosa was speaking to editors in an engagement with the South African Sa- National Editors Forum, SANEF, where he said the work government is doing will reveal itself.
12: President Cyril Ramaphosa says while many institutions were rendered dysfunctional and hollowed out over recent years, these are being fixed and positive results for the country will be seen. History will absorb me because the determination to put things right is there.
4: And we may be moving at a slow pace, and we may be moving at a pace where people you know, want faster movement. But we are painstakingly putting things right. And even my colleagues, uh, comrades in Kosatu, and uh, even people in the churches, when we sit down to talk about the processes we are involved in, they often say, yes, we, we, we see what is now being done.
12: He says that government will focus on implementing an economic recovery plan amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, which will entail improving the capacity of the state.
4: And this is where I want to see the implementation taking place and it will be directed from the president's office. That all the line departments, there will be coordination and the implementation must happen from a central point so that the coordination thereof, rather, from a central point so that there is proper coordination, and through that, we will be hoping to increase the capacity of the state because then we focus on our priorities, then we focus on what needs to be done.
12: Quizzed by journalists about why those involved in corruption are suspended but continue to be paid, Ramaphosa says while the public may be appalled, this is largely due to labour laws and protocols.
4: I know of people who have been on suspension for years and years and they continue to be paid. Now, that in my view is iniquitous and it should not happen uh, in a way that it has unfolded in other cases. So we need to look at that and this this moment of uh, having people being suspended should enable us to look at it and say, is this the right thing, particularly in view of the the action of ordinary people, because in the end, we are accountable to ordinary people.
12: Meanwhile, Sanev Chairperson Sbungalwa raised the issue of the harassment of journalists in the country and region, urging that journalists receive greater protection, particularly in light of the recently adopted principles on the freedom of expression, by the African Union, which Ramaphosa chairs.
5: As we've seen over the past few days, the harassment of our colleagues at the SABC, uh, the foreign editor, also, Sophie Mkwena, and the uh, anchor, uh, Peter Ndoro, who were abused by officials that are linked to ZANU PF and are part of the Zimbabwean government. And we have seen also over the past two days, um, there have been um, incidents of harassment, uh, particularly uh, around the protest that clicks. And as an organization, we have uh, uh, issued a statement where we're actually asking for parliament to investigate the behavior of some of the members.
1: That was Senef Chairperson's Bungalwa ending that report by Busi Chemombe. It's 7.36 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The Bureau for Economic Research reported on September the 9th that South African business confidence improved in the third quarter, though remained very pessimistic. After dropping to an all-time low of five in the second quarter, the Rand Merchant Bank, Business Confidence Index increased to a reading of 24 during the third quarter of the year 2020. On a scale of 0 to 100, with 50 the break-even point between pessimism and optimism, the latest print remains amongst the worst readings seen since the turn of the millennium. Now, During the global financial crisis of 2008 to 2009, for example, the lowest reading was 25 in quarter three in 2009. Economist at Price Waterhouse Coopers, Christy joins us on the line. Christy, good morning and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning. Now, are you surprised at the overall BCI reading for the third quarter in 2020?
10: No, I think we weren't really surprised. Uh, definitely an improvement on the second quarter number. Of course, the second quarter was the most severe lockdown restrictions, but also the third quarter number is still very pessimistic. So I think there's really no surprise in seeing this little bit of a turnaround, but still quite pessimistic sentiment between uh, local business sentiment.
1: Now, let's discuss the improvement in retail confidence. What th- What spurred this?
10: So we've seen an improvement in retail conditions compared to the worst of the lockdown conditions. We know that many, many more shops are operational right now and apart from some limitations on operating hours, most shops are back to business as usual. Many shops were closed during the lockdown and we saw that essential services like like food and pharmaceutical retail was open Right now, things are really getting back to normal in terms of opening up. It doesn't mean that we've seen a real significant improvement in the sales volumes, to be honest. And I think that part of this improvement in in confidence amongst the retailers is probably looking ahead, looking ahead at better conditions towards the end of the year maybe hoping for a better situation when it comes to November and December when we look at Black Friday and Christmas shopping. So certainly not out of the woods yet. There's still lots of challenges for retailers. I think that at the moment they're looking ahead at better conditions towards year-end, beginning of next year.
1: Now, Christy, in the second, second quarter, uh, manufacturing confidence turned around, rising from six in the second quarter to 22 in this third quarter. What is the driving force behind this?
10: So yes, that is a little bit of an improvement, still very pessimistic to be honest. Uh, It is still a very bad number for manufacturing and we know that even as the lockdown restrictions were eased and companies were able to increase their activity, there was lots of pressure on weak demand from the South African economy but also weak demand from the rest of the world. So we've seen that exports have been under pressure. Uh, We've also seen in the third quarter that electricity load shedding has returned. So manufacturing companies very dependent on power for their big machinery have been negatively hit by the return of load shedding. So I think that if... If it wasn't for that factor, the the electricity challenges, then maybe the confidence would have improved a bit more, but certainly a a big bag of, of mixed emotions amongst manufacturers and the challenges that they are facing are still significantly negative as we move towards the fourth quarter.
1: What should South Africans do with regards to, um, you know, expectations, uh, you know, the lockdown um, levels have changed. We are now on level two and, uh, you know, pessimism, optimism. How should South Africans feel about everything that's taking place economically?
10: Well, I think from an economic perspective, the worst is behind us, which was the second quarter. The third quarter was a bit better, but we're all very much aware of the significant amount of job losses that we've seen. Household income has been significantly affected by this. So I don't expect business confidence to turn positive anytime soon. The same with consumer confidence. South Africa is really struggling, to be honest. So for us to see a slow turnaround and a slow improvement in business confidence, I think that is a realistic expectation. Over the next 12 months at least, um, where 2020 is going to be a very, very bad economic year. The expectation for 2021 is to see positive economic growth, but obviously, we need to make the right decisions to get that going, and one of our biggest challenges is the electricity load shedding. We need to address that situation. We know ESCOM has said that it's going to be with us again for at least the next 18 months, and that's going to be one of our biggest challenges in getting this economy back on its feet. Getting people back into jobs and sorting out that electricity situation.
1: Chrissy, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. It's uh, Chrissy yoon economist at Price Waterhouse Coopers, joining us on the line.
9: Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self emancipation. Human Rights and Democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gones Malka. Every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective.
1: At seven forty-three, Central African Time, you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Nigeria has announced restrictions on some airlines from entering the country as international flights resume following the further easing of the COVID-19 lockdown rules. Aviation experts say the move appears to be in response to the barring of flights from Nigeria into the affected countries and their airlines while the COVID-19 restrictions last. Channel Africa's correspondent in Lagos, Colin Zatohengbe, has more.
13: Travelers to Nigeria must have tested negative for COVID-19 by PCR in country of departure before boarding. The test of the PCR must be within four days before departure and we prefer 72 hours pre-boarding. And not the certain countries, the PCR tests will only be accepted from identified laboratories.
14: That was Hadi Sirika, Nigeria's Minister for Aviation, giving guidelines for international travels to Nigeria. Two airlines, Ethiopia Airlines from Addis Ababa and Middle East Airlines from Beirut, Lebanon, were the first to land in Nigeria within 24 hours after Abuja lifted restrictions on international flights. Preparatory to the resumption of flights, the national coordinator of the COVID-19 task force, Sani Aliu explained what to expect once flights resumed. This applies particularly to people who are outside the country
15: and are planning to come to Nigeria. So pre-departure, we need three things. One, we need a negative COVID-19 PCR test and it needs to be done preferably as close as possible to the time of boarding the second thing is you need to register on the payment portal to have a pcr test done in country at day 7 of arrival and then the third thing we will need is the health declaration form and uh, we are changing this into an electronic format so that you can fill it as close as possible to the time of departure you will undergo thermal screening for temperature and you will also be asked for any change in what you have entered into the health questionnaire on arrival.
14: With the reopening of two airports for international flights in Lagos and Abuja, the Minister for Aviation, Hadi Shirika told journalists that anyone who failed to observe the measures put in place to safeguard travelers and the country will be sanctioned. He gave reasons why some of the airlines were barred from entering Nigeria.
13: Passengers who fail to submit themselves at sample collection centers on day 7 of arrival will be sent text reminders and their details forwarded to state public health department teams and NCDC for active follow-up. Private laboratories will be required to forward details of passengers who decline repeat PCR tests by day 14 of arrival for sanctioning. These passengers may be sanctioned with suspension of their passports or included list for six months and denied foreign travel for this period it is important that we announce the airlines that are allowed for operations into the country. Number one, Air France is not approved. Now the reason for Air France is that tourist visas holders are not allowed entry. KLM not approved for the same reason as Air France.
14: An aviation Expert Olumide Omwayo says the measures announced by Nigeria are very helpful for the development of the industry and that it applies to those countries which operates restrictions that have effect on flights originating from Nigeria. It's more like reciprocity. For those who allow Nigerians to come in, then your flight, you can operate a
15: flight into, into Nigeria. For those who said we cannot come in, then you cannot come in. If you look at that of United Arab Emirates, Emirates Airlines is allowed to come in from Dubai. But it had. From Abu Dhabi yeah. cannot come in yeah, because the Abu Dhabi Emirates is not allowing Nigerians to come in. So, if you look at some of the countries with this high privilege, I've not even started operating international, international flights. So, if you look at that, you see someone said they are not ready. Uh, no international flight for now because mm-hmm. they are not ready. So, what they have done is. For us to start operation, we're we taking country by country basis. So if any of the countries change their policy towards what we have done for ourselves concerning the protocols and the uh, guidelines and, uh, with the COVID, they will also change. For the first time, we're doing something for us in those that has always not been there. If you look at the bilateral services agreement, it has always been skewed towards the foreign airlines. So if we, had, if we had used that word reciprocity in this agreement, today maybe the airlines would have been smiling.
14: Smiling indeed was the case of passengers who arrived on the first flight into the country as they relate their experiences at the port of departure.
8: They
9: told us to wash our hands and they gave us sanitizers, they sanitize our luggages. so it's like they are really taking caution, there is proper social distancing and everyone is wearing a mask.
15: Looking at the airport itself is, uh, is, uh, is
4: it's one of the
7: best in the world.
4: We paid and we didn't get email confirmation, you know, they don't want to take responsibility.
5: After they had cleared us to leave, then we were told to come back. There are some people who had not paid, that we had to go back. So the plane had to return to the, to the port, as some people were told to get off the plane.
15: They had a little problem of uh, checking me through the uh, COVID paperwork, So because, I mean, I was the first one online. And then they said, well, oh, we have a little problem with the Q code and this and that. But, you know, everything just takes time, and it wasn't a problem. I'm not in a hurry.
14: And in Nigeria, there are officials vested with the responsibility of ensuring the smooth processing of incoming passengers, many of whom were happy to have been able to travel after five months of lockdown. The Managing Director of the Federal Airport Authority of Nigeria, Rabiu Yadudu, says there is synergy between all the services providers at the entry point.
7: The PCR is something that is being uh, coordinated by the, our public health corridor component. It's not uh, entirely fun, but I do know that we're working as a team, and wherever we see any- challenge, immediately they are steps being taken to see that we can resolve it quickly, so it ever doesn't happen again. Even from that moment, it ceases to exist.
14: The airlines that have been barred from operating flights into Nigeria include Lufthansa, Namibia, and Rwanda Airlines, and the Roa Moroccan airline, among others. One of the major purposes for renewing flight is believed to be economy related for now international air transportation is yet to pick up and only two airports have been approved to receive international flights in nigeria from lagos nigeria i am Collins nosato for channel africa news
9: follow channel africa on these social media platforms on facebook channel africa one on twitter at channel africa one and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
1: It's 7.49 Central African time, and our economics update up next with Tabiso Lohoko.
8: A very good morning. Investors predict more interest rate cuts by the South African Reserve Bank following Wednesday's historic contraction in the country's gross domestic product. South Africa's GDP contracted by an estimated annualized to 51% in the second quarter of 2020. President Sir Ramaphosa says a social compact on economic recovery will be presented to him after consultations with advisory council NEDLAC. Government will then finalise its economic recovery strategy. Ramaphosa also says the presidential employment stimulus will commence implementation within the next month to increase job opportunities through public and social employment to counteract job losses the bank's monetary policy committee will meet again next week south africa's power utility escom says it does not expect to implement load shedding this afternoon but warns that the power grid remains vulnerable the power utility has battled to keep the lights on with power outages being ramped up to stage four amid unplanned breakdowns at a number of power stations. On Wednesday, ESCOM suspended load shedding, saying it had returned enough capacity to the grid. Spokesperson Sikona Timanjaja: No load shedding is expected. However, any deterioration in the generation performance would result in the need for the implementation of load shedding at short notice. ESCOM continues to urge the people of South Africa to indeed uh, continue using electricity sparingly South Africa's opposition economic freedom fighters will meet with a delegation from retailer Clicks and British consumer goods company Unilever over the controversial advertisement that saw the red berets protest and closed down Clicks stores on Monday. The lifestyle and health retailer closed its stores on Wednesday in order to offer counselling services to stuff amidst a protest action by the EFF. Clicks and retail checkers. Have removed Tresemme products from their shelves over the company's involvement in the saga. Unilever is the brand owner of Tresemme South Africa. Keegan Alex will lead the Unilever delegation. EFF spokesperson Delici Linguin says EFF members will continue to protest at click stores until an agreement is reached.
12: This meeting comes at the request of clicks in what is an attempt to reach an amicable resolution on matters regarding racial discrimination and reasonable steps to ensure there is accountability for the offensive advert published by Clicks, The meeting is scheduled to sit at the Economic Freedom Fighters headquarters in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. The EFF delegation will be led by the Commander-in-Chief, Julius Malema, while the Clicks delegation will be led by the Clicks CEO, Vikesh Ramsander. The peaceful protests of the EFF will continue as planned
8: the Common Market for Eastern and Southern Africa has warned Kenyans against the buying into multi-level marketing firm Crowd1, saying it has all the hallmarks of a pyramid scheme. Comesa says Crowd1 markets itself as a digital multi-level marketing company and whose operations are being investigated in some jurisdictions. This comes days after Kenya's six financial regulators also warned the public against the fraudulent financial schemes. ProFlight Zambia has expanded its cargo capacity by designating some of its fleet to operate dedicated freight flights between Lusaka and Johannesburg. The flights which commenced last week will operate every Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout September. It will be operated by the Jetstream 41 aircraft and later upgrade to the Canadair regional jet should demand increase. The US dollar is trading at a 382.8 Nigerian Naira, 1139 Botswana Pula, 107.53 Kenyan shilling, and 1966 Zambian guacha. In BRICS currencies, Brazil, one US dollar there will cost you 5 rule 33, Russia 75 ruble 78, India 73 rupees 41, and China a dollar is changing hands at 6183 and in south africa it will cost you 16 rand 76 the u.s dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the british pound and 84 cents to euro a look at commodities markets now gold one thousand nine forty five dollars and platinum at nine nineteen dollars per ounce the price of brand crude oil is at forty dollars nine cents A barrel. Africa Rise and Shine.
0: Africa Rise and Shine. Africa Zorna. Africa Amuka Na Unai.
1: That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Ronald Piri, technical producer Didimalo Macau, and the rest of the Africa Rise and Shine team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info@channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at channelafrica1. And taking us to the top of our folding news is uh, DTM with a track titled Nani Nani. Goodbye and be safe. <laughs>
16: Nani nani? Nani nafata? Nani nani nani? Nani nani? Oh, nani.